0: Well, There's a global campaign right now. Uh, You may have seen it on billboards or on television. Uh, The tagline is, he gets us. All of it. All of us. And it's an opportunity to uh, help people get a glimpse of Jesus' humanity and compassion. Uh, It's an echo of what we experience, what we hear in Hebrews chapter 4, that Jesus is a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses and has been tempted in every way. He's experienced the challenges of life as a human being here on earth. And so in a world where so many people have never been to church and maybe never really heard directly who Jesus is, the kinds of things that they can be tempted to think about him, either to not think about him at all or to think of him as judgmental or uh, to think of him as highly political or whatever it is that they might be tempted to think, this campaign helps highlight that, that Jesus knows what life is like for us and with us, that, that we can turn to Jesus and know that he understands us. In many ways, uh, I think it's similar to what the writer to the Hebrews is doing. And today we have the opportunity to rewind and do some highlights from these first 10 chapters uh, as we prepare to take a little break from Hebrews through the summer, and then we'll pick it up. Uh, these last few chapters uh, in the fall again. But through these first ten chapters, we've heard again and again, as the writer has told us, Jesus is greater. Jesus is the best. He's always greater than anything that we might be tempted to turn to, to put our hope in. Now you remember that the, the author of this letter is writing to people that they know well, that they used to minister to and with. But they're separated by distance now, but the threats of life on earth are just kind of mounting for these original readers of the letter. Life is hard. Uh, The world is not encouraging their faith, and they're being tempted to turn away from Jesus, minimize his... Power and importance and significance in their lives. They're being tempted to go back to what they used to know, the old ways and just the familiar things and just live the way they used to live and with the people they always did it with. And so the writer is reaching out to say, Jesus understands what you're going through, but Jesus is always greater than what you're tempted to turn to. Jesus is the best. And so as we, um, we kind of turn and get a quick summary of the things that we've heard, uh, just a few reminders that I want to highlight for us today. And the first is that Jesus is God. It's a simple statement, but it's a dramatic and powerful truth. That Jesus, this, this human one who has come to live among us, put on skin and live among us, He is the God of the universe. He is one with the Father and one with the Spirit. And he actually came because he wants to invite us as broken human beings into the unity that the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have together. They want to share it with us. We uh, saw it in this first verse that's been hanging up on the wall pretty much the whole time. Hebrews chapter 1. 3a, the first part of the verse. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is God. As it describes for us in Colossians, he sustains all things. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the radiance of God's glory. He's the image of of the invisible God, and all the fullness of God lives and dwells in him. So the NIV says Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. Uh, and so that's super important for us to recognize, and the, the writer of the Hebrews has tried to highlight that throughout the letter. To say, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is exactly what we've been hoping for. Jesus is exactly what God has promised. Jesus is our only way to God. The only way to be forgiven of our sins. No one else can do for us what Jesus does. So we want to stay close to him. But like uh, this campaign, uh, He Gets Us, is designed to help people Recognize Jesus, to see him up close and personal and recognize how Jesus can empathize and sympathize with us. Sometimes as we go through the battle of life, the struggles that we face, we can be tempted to think other things about Jesus as well. And it, the writer to the Hebrews kind of especially highlights how Jesus is greater than the law, greater than the first covenant that God gave. And one of the ways that we see that is uh, even in the dynamics while Jesus was here and ministering to people, uh, how the Pharisees really fought against him and opposed him. Even though they stood for the law, even though they valued the Word of God and who God was and they wanted to take a stand for God in the world, they were really frustrated by Jesus. And one of the reasons that is, is because they defined God by the law. And it's powerful for us to see that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. And what that means is that the law, as we were told in Hebrews, is only a shadow of what is fully real. The law was given to us for a purpose, and it's true, and it reveals God's character, and it helps us recognize our need for God our need for a Savior, our need for Jesus in particular. But the law is powerless to save us. And the law doesn't fully tell us everything there is to know about who God is. But Jesus is the exact representation of God. The law is a shadow telling us what—a shadow telling us what's true. But Jesus, as we look at him and experience him interacting with other people, and as we hear what he says to us, Jesus is the exact representation of God. We get a full picture of who God is from him. So one illustration of that uh, from one of my favorite passages in Luke chapter 7. Jesus gets invited to have lunch at a Pharisee's house, and the Pharisee's name is Simon. So they're gathering around the table, reclining at the table, and— Eating and this this woman that we know almost nothing about. We don't know her name. All we know is that she's a sinful woman. We don't know what sins she's committed, but we know that society has labeled her as a sinful woman. And as she comes and she's near Jesus, she's overwhelmed by the experience of being in the presence of God, who's also gracious. And she weeps over her sin and she uses her tears to clean Jesus's feet and then dries them off with her hair. And Luke records for us that Jesus is aware of Simon's thoughts. And Simon the Pharisee is saying, if this guy Jesus were as righteous as he claims to be, he would know what kind of woman this is and he would know how dangerous she is and how risky she is to his own holiness and righteousness, and he should not be near her. He should cast her away. And so often that's the picture that we get of God as we read only the law. But Jesus is the full, exact representation of who God is. And we see that the law is a shadow. It's, it's true, absolutely, but it's not the absolute truth of who God is. And God also meets us with the law, telling us the truth of our danger and the destruction of our own sin. But he also invites us to stay close to him because he can solve our problem. He has mercy and grace for us. And as he offered it to that woman who worshiped him at his feet, the Pharisee was confused because he thought the law was the full picture of who God was. But Jesus, instead, shows us that God is not only the law, but also the grace, mercy, and compassion that invites us as broken people to come and find freedom and forgiveness in him through Jesus. To find life, to be restored, to be his people, that he would be our God. And so we see that in a lot of ways in this next truth. Hebrews reminds us again and again that Jesus is one of us. He is the righteous God, the Holy One in all glory, the King of all kings, power over all powers. He is the creator of all things, the Mighty One. His glory is unmatched. And yet, even though all that is true, he was willing to enter the brokenness of our lives, the brokenness of our world, and to experience life here with us. And not only that, but to take on our sin, not to own it, not to commit it with us, but to take it on and be identified with us in our sin so that he could be our sacrifice to set us free from the sin that destroys us. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, us, through faith in Jesus, are, the same, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. It's a dramatic and powerful truth that, the, that Jesus, the one with all the glory, all the righteousness, all the holiness, all the power, would come and live among us and not be ashamed of us, but would call us brothers and sisters. And then we see what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, another passage that's been up on the wall. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is God, and he is one of us. He entered into our world to fully be human, to experience what life is like with us, for us. He was tempted in every way that we are. He struggled in all the ways that we struggle. But he did that while being fully connected and united with the Father the whole time, always being pure and innocent, never falling into sin. But in that power and in that strength, he laid down his life to pay for our sin. He became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is one of us. Like that campaign uh, he gets us, talks about uh, just kind of human needs and felt needs that we experience. Um, he had broken relationships, you know. Uh, he had struggles in so many ways, and it just highlights all these ways that Jesus understands what it means for us to live our lives and struggle and be human. Jesus is God. Jesus is one of us. And it matters. That's basically the message of Hebrews. Throughout these ten chapters, we've heard these just glorious and kind of repetitive declarations that Jesus is greater. He's always the best. He's always enough for us. He's exactly what we need and all that we've hoped for. And all those encouragements come so that we, we would respond and stay close to Jesus. Because the writer of the Hebrews cares about the people they were writing to. They were friends. They, they knew each other. And the writers saw the challenges, the risks that they were facing. As they were tempted to ask questions like we often ask in the struggle of our own lives. Is it worth it? Is Jesus enough? Does God really know me? Is he really paying attention to me? And there's so many times that for us, in similar ways and in different ways, the world around us does not encourage us in our faith. We feel desperate, confused, worn out, like the recipients of this letter. And throughout the letter, the writer offers these warnings to say all this encouragement, all this truth about who Jesus is, is true. But if you ignore it, if you walk away from him, it's dangerous. It matters. So there are four sections of warnings and they kind of all are summarized to say, saying no to Jesus is saying no to forgiveness and saying no to peace with God. If you want to jot down where you can find the warnings, I think it's worth it to read them again and reflect on them. Uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, chapter 6, starting about verse 4 and going through about verse 12, and chapter 10, starting at verse 26. Each of these warnings are pretty clear and dire. If you walk away from Jesus, it is dangerous for you. Jesus is all you want, all you need. He's there, and he's enough, and he will always serve you. But if you reject him, if you turn away from him, you don't experience the blessing that he has for you. Excuse me. Most of these warnings come with this kind of description of encouragement, as the writer reflects back on this shared experience that they had with these readers. Say, remember when in those early days when you first came to faith? We were all struggling, it was hard, but remember how God really pulled us together and how he came through and showed up for us? Do you remember, like, in the early days you also struggled, but you were more confident then. You didn't feel as worn out then. But we saw God move, and it mattered, and he will do that again. And so the writer of the Hebrews keeps saying, warning, if you reject this, if you turn away from Jesus, it will be bad for you, because nothing that you turn toward will help you the way Jesus can, no matter what it looks like. Remember what it was like? God will show up again. And so stay close to Jesus and endure, persevere, because Jesus is enough, and he is worth it. I want to take just a moment to kind of remember what we read about last week in Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to turn there in your Bibles for these few minutes, uh, it's page 1039 in your pew Bibles. <clears throat> We're going to look at Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 26 and 27 first, and then we're going to jump to the previous verses. This final warning, is kind of overwhelming when we hear it. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. The writer of the Hebrews says, once you've found out how awesome Jesus is, how he's the only way you can be forgiven of your sins, and that God actually wants you to experience peace in your relationship with him. God wants you to be his people and for him to be your God. The writer of the Hebrews says, but if you decide doing things your own way is better, then walking away from this great and glorious truth is super dangerous. It's risky. But it's also certain. If you reject Jesus, you're rejecting God and you're going toward destruction. It's what you're choosing. But he says... God wants to remind us that his desire is to rescue us. And that these warnings are important because it matters so much. It matters so much for us and our eternal destiny that even the quality of our lives here in this broken place. So the writer says, don't reject Jesus. Jesus because he's everything that we need. But if you hear this truth and you know how awesome Jesus is, and you say no to the forgiveness and the salvation that he offers you, he says even in the old days, when we were first given the first covenant, and we were first being established as God's people, Jesus is greater than the law and the first covenant, but even in (coughs) In the first covenant, if we rejected it, there are serious consequences, and sometimes death. So the writer says, just imagine how serious it would be to recognize this incredible invitation to life with God forever, and peace with Him, and forgiveness from all your sins, and to say no to that. How could we even imagine saying no? What could be better than what God wants to give us? And so as we kind of wrap up this rewind, I just want to read these verses, starting at verse 22 in chapter 10, to let the blessing and the invitation that God gives us echo in our minds and hearts. He says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. And that just says, as we turn to Jesus in faith, Jesus made a perfect sacrifice for our sins. As we turn to him in faith, he cleanses us. And with that, we have the full assurance that everything God God has promised us will be true. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He keeps his promises. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ's return. Jesus is greater. He's enough. He's all we want and all we hope for. And the battle of life in this world can twist our thinking and make other things look easier, better, faster. But they're never enough. They never measure up. Jesus is our only hope. And he's enough. He's here for us. And God says, come. Trust me. Follow me will bring you safely into my heavenly kingdom let's pray father god we come before you today we acknowledge that life is hard we've asked these questions are you enough can i trust you will you bring me through this will you do what i need is it worth it to take a stand for Jesus speak truth in a world that just wants to hear listen to itself speak Lord we thank you Jesus we give you praise that you are God we thank you that you weren't comfortable just staying in your glory all by yourself but you came to make a way for us to be one of us pray that you grow our faith you'd help us see you for real face to face as the one who knows us the one who rescues us the one who died in our place and lives in victory lord draw us in hold us close hold us tight help us ride this wave and always fix our eyes on you you are enough and you are here